In this episode, I interview Eli, one of my former students who scored a 173 on the June 2022 exam after an original score of a 159. So Eli went from a 159 to a 173, and we discuss all these factors that made a difference in Eli's performance. Um, among them, taking regular PTs and making sure to simulate them, right, because they're digital and because this is live. Uh, the blind review process, how to get the most out of it, why it makes a difference. Detaching, not always an easy thing to do. Eli shares some concrete steps and made a big difference. Um, retaking the exam, of course. This was not Eli's first exam. And dealing with proctors, something that gives people a lot of anxiety, and Eli has some really great tips. Our interview went so well, I've got, man, almost two hours, so we divided this into a few parts. You're going to listen to the first part. I hope you enjoy it. Also, it was a pleasure working with Eli. If you'd like to work with me as a student, whether it's through LSAT, prep, or admissions consulting, you can reach out to me at jdlsat.com. That's jdlsat.com. Welcome to the LSAT Habits Podcast, where in each episode we present key habits you can master to study smarter, save time, and raise your LSAT score. I'm your host and instructor, Jimmy D of JDLSAT.com. One, congratulations. So you got a 173. We've been working together for a few months. It was a, well, maybe even less than that, but it was a pleasure. And you were originally a, a 159. So, and you just got this 173 a couple days ago. So congratulations. Yeah, yesterday, actually. Yesterday? Oh my God, yesterday. That's right. It feels like, I remember you texted me in the morning and I'm like, oh, <laughs> And then I'm like, hey, would you do the podcast? And you're like, absolutely. <laughs> so you just got it yesterday. How are you feeling yeah. about it? Very fresh. Yeah, still processing. But um, I mean, overall, I'm really happy with it. It was my exactly my goal score that I'd set when we started working together. So um, that feels really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because as I mentioned to you, I was looking at as I was preparing for this interview, I was looking at your original profile. I always asked you what your target score is, and yours was one seventy three exactly, <laughs> and that's exactly what you got. How's that for vision? Yeah, no, it feels kind of meant to be. It came together, and I never, I don't, yeah, I never PT'd this high, so it's great. Like, there's a good moment. Yeah, that's interesting because I usually say to people, I was thinking about this, right? I usually say, listen, um, you know, try to, try to, before you decide you want to take the thing, try to be within striking distance, even a little bit higher of your score if you have a buffer. But you were never at a 173 when you were taking your previews. Not even that close. <laughs> yeah. And I did not follow your advice the week before, and I took a PT and I scored it, and it was quite a bit lower than what I'd been PTing at. Oh, wait a minute. So my advice, my big thing is, I don't mind if you take, you, uh, just don't wait to take it the day before. You so, just told me not to score it. You were like, don't. Oh, okay. 
you were like, I suggest you don't score the one right before, like take it, but maybe don't score it. You don't want to psych yourself out, you know? Yeah, yeah, I always worry about it messing with your head, you know? Yeah. I, well, one thing, just real quick for anyone who's listening, the one thing I really urge, you can take it, you can score it. But yeah. my big thing is don't take it the day before because I don't want to run a marathon and then go run a marathon. I, the, the day, you know, I don't want to lift heavy weights, then go lift the same weights the next day. But we're not talking about that. You're, no. I'm just saying you took the PT and you scored it. And even though I said, hey, maybe you don't score it. Yeah. Yeah. Was, let me just give some clarification to our listeners. The only reason I say that, and by the way, you're free to do whatever you want. I'm glad you did what you wanted to do. But the reason I say that to students is, right, like, what if, what if your score goes down? And then you get really nervous and psych yourself out and get really frustrated. And I don't want that to impact you the day of the exam. So I say to people, maybe take it. And then there's a way of BLRing it or just reviewing questions without necessarily knowing what your score was. So I said to you, that was an option. But you decided to say, screw this Jimmy guy. I'm going to go ahead and score it. Yeah, I'm kind of stubborn. I wanted to see where I was at going in. Um, and yeah, it was quite a bit like lower than I think I'd been PTing in the high 160s for a little bit. Not always, but like I was kind of feeling like on an upward trajectory. And then this was like in the low 160s. I think it was like 164. So it's like like nine points below what I ended up getting on you know, the actual exam. But um yeah, weirdly, I think it helped me relax a bit. I was like, I was like, it's okay. You know, like, I'm not trying to make, I'm not too attached to making it happen. I think I told you right before, too. I was like, I, you know, I feel like I still have August, but I feel like things just might come together. You know, like, I feel like there's a chance, like, I'm feeling like it could just happen for me. Like, everything's kind of in place. To make nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, like, and, um, I mean, my attitude about the whole thing is, right, like, well, one, well, let's go back to what I think really ended up, you know, help, potentially helping is, like, having that detachment, you know, whether you, however you came about it, like, you were able to detach and be like, look, I got a 164 on this PT, it's not exactly what I wanted, but you know what, I've been studying, I've been working with Jimmy, I've been doing my PTs, I'm doing the process, I could take it again, you took it in June, 2022, Right. By the way, we're recording this on June 30th of 2022. Um, but you were going to take it in August and you were like, you know what? I got August to back up. And so that allowed you to detach. And I, I really think that's important because, you know, <clears throat> it's one of the hardest things from the time I was taking the SATs. It's like you're giving everything, you're putting everything in. But then at some point when you take the exam, you just got to be like, I can control what I can control and I can't control what I can't control. I can give it my all, but I can't control the outcome. I just got to control what I can control. And it's not easy to do that when you've been working so hard. But when you detach, I think the reason it's so important is you're not clinging to the outcome as much. And the problem with clinging is it prevents you from performing freely and fluidly. And it kind of prevents you from thinking clearly what you need. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to turn this back over to you. But I, I, either way, it allowed you to detach. Is that fair? Definitely. I think it's a really fine balance. Like, it almost seems contradictory that you're in a <laughs> timed test, like a very tightly timed test. So you really do have to push yourself. And there is this pressure of, like, I got to do it in time. I can't 
just relax and say, well, I got all day. No, you don't have all day, but you also don't want to be yeah, clinging. Like you're saying so attached to the outcome that you you're just rereading the questions and spiraling and can't think. Right. Um, and thinking this is it. I have to make it happen. No, like that's, <laughs> that would not serve me. So I think definitely having August as a backup helped me just relax and say, I'm going to do my best, the best that I can do today and see what happens and it's not the end all be all and i'll have another opportunity and so i should just trust my instincts you know use the strategies i've learned not second guess myself you know and hope it works out and it'll be good practice regardless that's kind of the attitude i went in with that's excellent and you know i um again that all helps you detach so you can control it frees you up to control what you can control and not uh, ruminate over the things you cannot control. Yeah. Um, you, you said something interesting. I want to go back to, well, going back to right that, Hey, I wasn't happy with the last, I scored the last one. I wasn't thrilled with it. So fine. Right. But at some point you kind of reconcile by saying, all right, well, Hey, what could I have, What do I have to lose? Right. I have, I have August as a backup. Everything's in place. I might peak. You know, and again, I'm usually a big believer in, hey, you know, you want to make sure you're closer to that distance, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. So oddly enough, right, like even seeing that score and who knows, right, maybe again, like I advise you the opposite, but maybe seeing that and even being a little bit upset about it allowed you to get that out of your system and then just be like, all right, screw it. I got nothing to lose. Is that is that fair or... Yeah, I think we're all different. And I think I'm somebody who I reflect a lot on my process. And I think I just knew myself and I heard you and I understood where you were coming from. And I and I think I told you at the time, too. And I was like, I just know it's not going to get to my head that way. I was like, (laughs) I, I just feel like I just need a temperature check and a reality check of where I am the week before. And that's all it was, really. And I went down and I was like, I just accepted that. I was like, that's where I'm at. That's something that could happen on test day. But I also felt like things were in place where it could go really well, which is luckily what happened. Um, But it helped me let go a little bit and accept that. I think it would have been almost more pressure if I PT'd really high right before and felt like, oh, I can do this and I got to do it because I can't, you know, (laughs) I was really open to what was possible and really I think working with you was a lot of it for me was confidence building and being like, no, like believe in, believe in myself, believe in my instincts, believe in the strategies that we've been working on and know that, you know, if you PT really low one day, that's not an indication that you can't do it. That's just that day. And you can learn something from it. Like, you know, what went wrong? Um, it's like reflecting on that is what's going to get you the high score, not like getting down on yourself and beating yourself up about it. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds cliche, but there's truth to this. It's constructive reflection. And you know, you said, to, you know, so one, I'm glad for you. Right. Like, and, and two, right. The people that are listening out here, Hey, this is proof. Anyone who's listening, this is proof. If you're about to take the exam and you get a score, you don't want that score does not limit how you're going to perform. That's just one data point. Don't let it mess with you. Like that doesn't mean you shouldn't necessarily take the exam just because I got score X doesn't mean I'm going to get the same score three days from now when I take the exam. So I'm, you know, it kind of not only did you do yourself a favor, but you kind of did everyone out there listening a favor 
Anyone listening, seriously, because I've seen students that drive themselves nuts. Look what happened here. You know, that's awesome. And, you know, one other thing, if I may, um, like, I'm glad you said this, right? Because it just kind of goes to how I like to work with people. And you're obviously a pleasure to work with. I always say to my students, I'm an advisor. I'm going to give you what I think is the best advice. By no means, I'm certainly not perfect. But I'm telling you what I think you need to know. I'm not going to say it's always the right thing for you because everyone's different. Even though I've been in your shoes and whatever, everyone's different. And what I'm really happy about is that at the end of the day, I'd rather you certainly consider what I have to say. But if you know yourself and you know that, hey, this is what I want to do, you're the one that's going to live with the consequences. You're one whose name's on there. You're going through that exam. So again, I'm just an advisor. I always want you to consider it, but then go with what you know is best for yourself. And I'm really glad you did that. Yeah. I um, mean, you also gave the tools, I would say, to do that. Like, and I think we'll get into them a bit later, but there are also tools that you gave me that were put in place to help me like reflect on, you know, my process and like find out what was right for me as a, as a test taker. So. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that. And we can definitely get into that. And, um, yeah, like, cause it's one thing, like, I can't take the test for, for, yeah, certainly not. Right. Like, but, but right. I'm going to help you figure out how you think and the best way to get the most out of this so that you can, as the cliche goes, fish for yourself. And you were really good about it. I always say, I wish, I, I always say this, I wish students would take advantage of these tools because again, I can't control everything, but the more I can journal what's going on and all that stuff, but we'll, we'll get into that. I want to, I want to bring up one other point about this before we move forward, if I may. Another reason why I think, and I think just for our listeners, right? Another reason why I think it's important that you took the exam that day and could get away with it is they only care about your highest score. So there was no guarantee you were going to get that 173. You wanted to, and it worked out, but let's just say you didn't. Um, as I always say, right, let's just see, they, they only care about your highest score. So that's why it's like, you know, back in the day where a long, long time ago, they used to average the scores. They don't do that anymore. And not that long ago, they used to give you fewer bites at the apple. Now it's a little more open. But there is power in saying, I'm going to take this thing. That way I'm getting used to it. Yes, I've been doing practice tests, but there's something about taking the real thing and just knowing I took it. And then if I have to take it again in August, well, cool, one if my score's lower before, it's not going to hold me back. They care about my highest score. And two, there's power in being like, okay, I've already taken it. I've already been there. You know, what's the worst that can happen? I'll just get the same score. Not a big deal. They care about my highest score. Let me make, let me, let's just say you got a 168 argument sake, right? If you did get a 168 and then you take it again in August, then you could be like, look, I want to get a 173. I already got the 168 baked in because I only care about my highest score. Even if I score a little bit lower, they only care about my high score. I just got to make up five points. And that's different than, oh, you know, I've just got to, you know, I got to do this whole thing and get my 173 here. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. And we're going to get into more questions and more stuff for you. But before I do, any thoughts about that or anything you want to add? Um, no, I think you, you covered it. Okay, cool. So let's see. Okay, one, um, yeah, let's go, let's get into this in a little more depth. Um, well, first, right, like broadly speaking, you know, what things, um, what things that you did differently that you think made a big difference? And again, if I may, right, I think you, you started your original scores at 159, 
the score you received yesterday and earned 173. In the process, what, what are the any key things you think made a difference? So you mean between like when I was self-studying and then when I started working with you? Sure, but certainly not limited to me. I mean, hey, cool, right? But like, but not limited. Yeah. Well, so I took a huge break between when I self-studied and got a 159, like, and then I took a lot of time off and then reached out to you. And then that's when I started studying again. Um, I think the two things were, well, maybe three things were really big. One was doing a PT every weekend. Um pretty consistently (laughs) sometimes missing a weekend but most weekends trying to do one pt um and doing it in the online format on a computer like on seven sage or the lsat hub whatever it's called Um, yeah um because the first time i studied i did them on paper and then it was a huge shock to do it on a computer it was just a total panic (laughs) um so that really helped because it just felt familiar and it helped me feel relaxed during the test. It was felt like a PT kind of, it was like, okay, I do this every week, you know, and here we are doing it again. Um, another thing was blind review. That's probably the biggest one. I did not do that the first time when I self-studied and it made a huge difference. The best, I mean, there are different ways to do blind review, but the best way for me personally that mm-hmm. I found kind of near the end actually was to do the questions that I had flagged blind again, like the one, I didn't know if they're right or wrong, but they're ones that I had flagged, but didn't have time to review. So mm-hmm. go back, check, do I agree with my answer? Do I want to answer it differently or questions that I didn't have time and skipped to do those questions, you know, untimed mm-hmm. without having seen the answer yet. And then score that first set of blind <laughs> review, you know, and then do a second round of anything that I still got wrong, basically. Uh-huh. Things that I didn't flag, so I didn't look back at because I was confident, but I actually got it wrong. Things that I flagged and looked back at and got it wrong anyways, <laughs> even when I did it on time, right? Um, and that really helped me kind of, I don't know, just figure out how how correct I was about what I was right or wrong about, you know, like when I would get things wrong and I hadn't flagged them and be like, Oh, I totally read this incorrectly and thought I had the right answer. I need to pay closer attention. Right. Um, So anyways, that strategy of blind review just helped me a lot. And it was just really important to um, do those difficult questions on time before looking at the answer um, to to give myself the opportunity to really understand something on my own that I was finding difficult um, before looking at the key, you know? <laughs> and yeah. then it's like, of course that makes sense. Once you read the, most of the time you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course. Why didn't I see that? But if you don't go through those steps of trying to do it on your own and challenging yourself, like mm-hmm. there is a way and I, I can bet I can figure it out. Like that was, that was really key to, Um, making improvements on every single section. So that's like a huge payoff because it's not just targeted at one section. It works for every section to do blind review. Um, And then the final thing I'll just say is like a mindset shift, I think. Like a a total mindset shift. I think when I self-studied and I got that 159 eventually was like a 
I don't know. I was just looking at it as this terrible chore that I had to do. Like, this is so meaningless. This whole thing is, you know, just ridiculous. It doesn't measure anything. It's so unfair. Some people have access to all these resources and time to study, which I would count myself in that camp and other people don't. And this is just so unjust and just really negative. Really like I, I got to do this. I decided to play this game, but I don't believe in it at all. Mm. And I I still think some of those things are true, but I had a much more positive experience where I was open to the experience of saying, you know, everything you do, especially a challenge is an opportunity to grow. And how can I develop habits, which is why I wanted to work with you in the first place, that support me in my life to support me performing well, doing well in life. And that includes doing well on the test, but but for it to be more than that, to develop discipline, those are things that I, you know, do believe support me in other areas. And I think that mindset shift really helped me. I mean, if you're not thinking positively, it's really hard to perform well, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems simple now, but <laughs> back then I didn't realize that, I guess. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all this. Let's see. I want to I wanna ch- check in with you on a few of them. So let's go in reverse order. So one mindset. And um, you know, one of the things I should tell our listeners that you were a podcast listener before you reached out to me. And yeah. uh, as fate would have it, you reached out and we got to work together. And it's been a pleasure for me, too. So I'm really glad you did. And I remember, you know, so I guess here before I forget, anyone who's listening, check out Pete, uh, uh, B, uh, um, podcast episode 10 on a growth mindset. It's based on the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, which I think you probably you probably heard as a listener. And yeah, I think it's so key how we approach this, our attitude towards this. And it sounds cliche, but like, you know, the whole idea of a growth mindset, like even like one, we're not set, right? These scores are not set. But two, more importantly, well, okay, fine. If they're not set and I want to grow and expand my score, they're not fixed. Well, then yeah, how do I do that? I think part of it is, yeah, there are going to be things we don't think are fair about this test. And frankly, it aren't. I, I, I probably, I, there's the feelings you mentioned, I share. You know, and by the way, anyone, anyone out there who's listening, I'm not doing this because I love the LSAT or, well, I've loved what I've learned from it and I love helping students. But like, yeah, I had similar feelings. I don't think this test is fair. I think that there's a lot of stuff about it I would change if I had my way. But I feel that way about life. You know, and I, I'm not saying that in a, in a discounting way. I just, Life isn't fair. But if I sit there and just say how this sucks and that's not fair, I'm not going to do anything. And so I think you got the right attitude of like, yeah, I wish things were different. They're not. But what can I do with what I have and how can I learn and grow from this? And I'm really glad you said that because I'll tell you, I think you and I were talking a little bit before this episode and similar thing for me. I mean, I know I teach this for a living, but I took it out of necessity. People take this out of necessity generally, right? Like, so they want to go to law school. I didn't even go to law school, right? You're going to go, but I didn't go. But like when I took it, I was planning to go to law school. But after that, it enriched my life so much because it, by preparing for this, it taught me things, you know, it forced me to be better at things that I didn't appreciate before. Anyway, who cares about me? I'm really glad that you, sh- you said that about, about shifting your mindset. Um, I actually want to go real quick to BR, right? And another podcast shout out because – I've had students will say to me, hey, you know, you keep saying BR, you keep saying blind review in your podcast. What do you mean? Check out, anyone who's listening, check out uh, podcast episode four 
podcast episode four on blind review. So I want to check in with you about the blind review stuff. I'm really glad that you said what you said, right? Because and there are different variations on blind review, but the heart of it is that when you go to review something, right? If I go right to the answer key, now maybe I got it right, maybe I got it wrong, maybe I'm uncertain about it. But if I go to the answer key, the answer key tells me it's A. Like that is a real obstacle to me understanding the explanation. Because if the answer key tells me it's A, that's the authority, that's the answer key. And it biases my thinking. Whereas if I just know that either I don't know what the correct answer is, but I'm uncertain about it. So I'm going to do this question over again. Or I know I got it wrong, but I don't know what the correct answer is. And I rework the problem and I get to the correct answer on my own. Then I'm not biased by the answer key. I've earned it. And I'll never get that same question again. This is really important. But I'll get similar questions with similar patterns. And because I figured that out on my own, I'm more likely to figure it out in the future. As it, but I, none of that would be possible if I just had the answer key to the work for me. Let me check in with you. Is that basically how you feel? Any other thoughts about that? I'm so I'm just glad you mentioned it. Yeah, that's definitely how I feel about it. And I feel like I was really receptive to this strategy because I've done other things in my life that kind of support this view. Like the high school I went to, kind of a weird high school for math, we had these things called problem sets. So instead of teaching you like a certain type of equation or theorem, or anything, they would guide you through a set of questions to kind of discover it and prove it on your own. Mm -hmm. So instead of like, oh, here's this magic equation, plug things into this. It was like guiding you to a proof of that equation. And then through that process, it's like you really understood it. And, and then you, you didn't have trouble memorizing the equation. You're like, oh, because I discovered this. I understand why this is right, why this works. And I feel like blind review is kind of that, that same kind of idea of like you're putting in that work to really understand it. You understand the right answer. So you really learn from that. Whereas when you see the right answer, you might be able to work backwards to understand why that's right. But I find it actually really hard to learn from just looking up the right answer. I find that... Like, it's pretty hard. Like, it almost requires, like, more, like, mental, like, grit or something to, like, stick with that and be like, but really, like, why is it right? And without just repeating word for word, like, whatever explanation you just read, like, um, it, yeah, it's it's more work up front to do it on your own. It <laughs> actually is easier in the long term to, like, take it as a lesson and be able to apply it to other things because, understanding is really different than knowing what's right. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Oh, yeah. And you're, it forces you to think, right? Yeah. If I see the answer key is, says it's A, then I'll be, I don't know about you, but like, I'll give you what's going on in my mind normally. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, makes I sense. I buy that. that. <laughs> you know, maybe I do kind of get it, but not the way that I would if I really had to force myself on my own to get to A on my own. I'm not creating those same neural pathways because I'm biased by the answer key or, and I don't know if this applies to you, but I'll, you know, it applies to me. Like there are times I'll be like, okay, the answer key says it's a, yeah, I get it, but I didn't get it. And I knew I didn't get it. I was just exhausted and I wanted to move on, but it, it doesn't blind review doesn't allow you to cheat yourself as cliche as that may sound. So, and just to clarify, you didn't do blind review before um, you didn't do blind review is when you were prepping the first time. No, I did not. 
Yeah, and I would say another thing about blind review is like, I don't know, when you're doing that, my my biggest moments in blind review, when I learned the most, <laughs> were actually when I spent a, spent the time trying to do it on my own, still got it wrong, and then saw the right answer and thought, I disagree. <laughs> Which maybe is not a moment that other people have. I don't know. I'm stubborn. I really believe in my own reasoning on things. Okay. And I've had conversations a couple times where you were like, no, that's that's just wrong. Like, there's a clear reason. Like, let's walk through this again. And I would be, but I, I really find it very persuasive for this reason. And I'd be really stuck for a long time. I learned the most from those experiences because, and the only reason I was, I, I don't know, willing to come to you and say, I disagree with this <laughs> right answer is because I'd spent so much time thinking about it on my own, right? That, that I was like determined, like that, that I was right. <laughs> Cause I was like, but it makes sense to me. I understand it in this way. And then having to break that down and really deconstruct it and say, you know, this pathway that I've established of like this reasoning is actually misguided. And there's this key thing that I'm missing. Um, like I would never forget it then. Right. I'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, okay. I've like really, really understood this now. <laughs> like I yeah. can understand why I was wrong. And that's actually like more helpful than even understanding why an answer is right. And I think without doing the blind review, what you're focused on, oh, why is that right answer right? And it seems kind of obvious because you haven't you're you haven't been convinced that anything else is right. So you're like, of course everything else is wrong, <laughs> you know? But when you blind review and you still get it wrong, you're like, I really thought thought hard about that. And I really thought I was right. <laughs> I did that on time, you know. <laughs> so so why was I wrong? What did I do? Like, <laughs> why couldn't I see it this way? Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is really helpful. That's good for me to know. And, and it totally makes sense, right? Because you're forced to really think things through and, um, you know, check your assumptions and go back and think about, you know, examine your thinking and, and, and you know, push yourself, push your comfort zones a little bit. And it's not always fun. It's not always easy. But the results are worthwhile. And it's how we learn. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that but yeah like it's not always fun to do that but when you push your comfort zones the the results that's how we grow you know and anyway i'm, I'm really happy you shared that um i want to ask you i want to go back also okay because this is important you mentioned that you initially were doing when you were studying for this like okay i know it's a digital test but i'm going to print this out and do it on paper i'm going to do it in one of those books you didn't do it on paper even though the test was on paper and one of the big differences is now you did it did it digitally. You use Law Hub or a different platform to do it digitally. So I guess you know, you already said that, but I'm glad you said that. I want to emphasize it because it is really important. Very often to this day, like this week, I had another you know student come to me and said, "Oh, I'm always doing it, but I'm I'm doing it on paper." And I'm like, "Wait, you're doing this? Di- you, you the, the test is digital, right?" You get, oh yeah, but I'm doing it on paper. No, and, and not because I think you said something really great. You were pointing out how like when you're always prepping for it on paper, all of a sudden it's test day and it's digital. And it's the real thing, right? And the, the, the clock's ticking and so on. And, oh, I, I've, gotta, I've gotta get used to this new format. Wait, there, this is how I have to use my mouse? You know, like I have to be in front of the computer screen? There, there's, you know, 
So I'm really glad you pointed that out. It makes a big difference. Even though the substance was similar, it's like, you know, like, hey, uh, oh, we're going to run on a trail versus running on pavement. I mean, it's just different. And you, you want to get used to that terrain. And I just want to say the last thing, I'm probably speaking more than I should, but I, the one thing that I think can be helpful is, right, like, the sad thing is that if all the work you've done well gets sidetracked because you're so distracted by having to acclimate to this new terrain, so to speak. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, even when I self-studied, I was PTing in the mid, if not high 160s at times. And then I got a 159 and it was just complete panic of the digital interface. It was, it, 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 <laughs> I thought it would be easy. I had done one PT that way, I think, like a week, the week before, but it just wasn't a habit. Like that's as yeah. the best way I can put it. It wasn't a habit. It wasn't familiar enough. And so, yes, when I did it in a relaxed setting one time, I was like, oh, yeah, I can figure this out. But then when I really have to perform and I really have to do it, you know, strictly in time and under that pressure, it was a totally different thing. And I, I, I panicked. I was rereading questions like 10 times. <laughs> like I was not, not in it. And this time having PT, you know, electronically using Seven Sage every week for months, I mean, it just felt like I wasn't even thinking about that part of it. Right. Mm. And especially for reading comp, like I just wasn't even thinking about annotating electron. Like that's just how I was doing it. And like the more you can just not have to think about and worry about, the more you can really focus actually on the substance. So even though the substance is the same, it's like you're, you're distracted by this new experience, unfamiliar experience of, you know, navigating between the different highlight colors or whatever, or even just moving your mouse around. Mm -hmm. Grow up like, yeah, like writing and taking notes on paper. So doing anything on paper is just like very, I think, natural. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even though we use computers, like I've never used a computer for a test personally, like any type, <laughs> right? So being able to practice with a very similar, you know, if not the exact same pretty much interface um, just took a, a lot, a lot of off my mind, right? That I didn't have to worry about. Yeah, if you think about it, right, like reading comp, you know, I'm, if I'm doing it on paper, oh, well, I've got a pencil in my hand, I can circle keywords, I can, you know, write stuff in the margins. Oh, now, now I'm doing this digitally? Oh, okay, well, oh, well, there's a highlighting tool, but how do I use it? You know, like, but then going back to your larger point, I think this is so important. That's why I always impress upon people the importance of habits is right, like, from the little, little habits, seemingly, seemingly little habits to the format of the test, all the way to, I guess, larger habits, like a certain technique, the more I habituate things and make that automatic, it gives me the bandwidth and the energy that I need to do the critical thinking on, like you said, the stuff that demands that critical thinking. So the more I can, again, right, the more I can habituate this stuff, anything, anything and everything, just getting used to the format, again, that frees my mental energy and my time to use my critical thinking on what I need to. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad you said that. I want to um, I want to ask you actually. So, well, okay, yeah. Here, right? Like, anything in particular? Like, was there anything that you were worried about before you took the exam that now on the other side of it you realize was not a big deal? 
Um, but that may or may not be true, just asking. Yeah, I mean, the main like thing I was worried about was the experimental section, just mm-hmm. because I didn't, because of like time constraints and I, I work full time, like mm-hmm. I just didn't always find the time to put, like to do an experimental te- section when I was doing the PTs. I would say more often than not, I didn't do it, or maybe I did it half the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't vary it very much. Like I just did logic games as the experimental every time because that's the suggestion that scared me the most. Um, and to have two of those just would have been difficult. And I felt like it would be harder for me to identify a logic games experimental because I just find them all hard. <laughs> um, so that's, that's how I PT'd. And so I was just kind of nervous about that aspect. Like what would the experimental be? When would it be? Would I know? <clears throat> um, and it ended up being my first section and it was reading comp and it was became clear very early on that it was definitely the experimental, that it was just so much more difficult than any that I'd ever seen in any of my PTs. And this is where I think like practice really paid off, like being that familiar with the test to just have a feel of like, mm. there is a range of difficulty in the sections and PTs, but there is a kind of limited range. <laughs> like it's mm. not, it's, yeah, I just never seen anything close to that difficult. Mm. Um, you know, four sections that difficult. You know, maybe you'd have like one, one, one passage. Or oh, four passages. Four passages. Yeah, maybe you'd have more. Four. You would have like one passage that was that difficult. But to have all four, mm. I've never seen. Um, so yeah, I think I was worried about that, but it really wasn't a big deal. I knew I probably was sure enough that I could have just not answered any of them. Mm. Like I was that sure, but I was like, whatever, I'll just give it my best. Yeah. What it is yes, exactly. Ours, yeah. you know, and I just have a really difficult one. I do want to keep my score like maybe in the 160s then, but like there's no way I'm getting my goal score if that's the case. Um, but just to like, re- it really helped me relax actually. Cause I was, another thing I was worried about was just like the initial check-in procedure. I remember it really psyching mm. me out last time. Mm-hmm. And it kind of did this time as well. Like I got really stressed, but this time I was like assertive and I was like, can I have a few, like two minutes to take some deep breaths before I start? Like, and will you make sure that I know when it's actually starting? Because the Good. first time I started my time and didn't realize like, like that button had started it because you go through so many like different buttons and phases back <laughs> in. So that was another area where I worried, but I think having the past experience definitely helped me like, um, yeah, be assertive about that and say, Hey, this makes me really nervous. I'm less nervous about the test, but I'm nervous about this. This is stressing me out and I need to do well on this. And you're just telling my proctor that I'm being really transparent. I think she probably thought I was, you know, kind of off my rocker or something, but (laughs) you know, I was like, I need to take some deep breaths. Is it okay if I close my eyes and take some deep breaths before I begin? She's like, um, sure. (laughs) I need this. Oh, sorry. I'm going to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. You know, I'm glad you're saying all this. Like, let's go, let's stay on the proctor thing. Like the thing I always tell people is well, a couple of things here. Like one, because you took it before, right? There's, there's more power of that. I always tell students, write down your takeaways after you take the exam, just like I would after a PT, because things that, like when you took it the first time, uh, you know, like there are things that you wish you could do different, maybe, right? But 
if you take it again, that's your do-over. And so you remembered what it was like in that whole experience with the proctor the first time and things that made you feel weird or whatever when you were you know, in the portal or whatever. But because you've been through it before, you could troubleshoot in advance and have like sort of a system, right? Of, okay, this is what I'll do if this happens. And right, and it didn't, you were more acclimated to it. And then I'm, I'm glad you said this about the project. This is always important. I always tell this to students, you know, I want you to be assertive. And you're absolutely right. Like, we're not talking about, like, like because here's the thing. The worst they could do is say no. You know, like, and if you're being reasonable and you're being polite and respectful and assertive, there's nothing wrong with that. They'll say no. But if, if you can do something, you can do something, right? But, like, what if you don't ask and you always wonder? Yeah. What if you don't ask and then later you're like, shoot, I regret it. And then, like, they would have let you, right? Like, and you're not asking for anything unreasonable. In fact, what you're doing, I mean, I would say you could probably just do without even asking them. But, you know, the, the, the breath or whatever. But, like, my point is that I think a lot of people are afraid of the proctors and they're like, you know, they, they, they let that throw them off or they let them not make reasonable requests, you know, and so I always say, be assertive. Don't be afraid to speak up. You know, you, you're polite. You're cool. Right. But you're not going to just settle for something that, you, you you know, you don't deserve or whatever. Right. So I'm really glad you did that. And like you said, we're, like you were kind of pointing out, the, the proctor was like, OK, this is reasonable. I'll accommodate. Sure. You know, yeah. like they, they're human beings, too. And they, if you're reasonable, if they can do it. They'll do it. Worst case, they say no. You know? Yeah, I agree. I, I think the first time I took it, I was scared of the proctor. Like I was like, like they're, you know, like they're this authority figure or something looming over me. And I'm like this, you know, lowly student who's, like, <laughs> you know, like how you feel in a test hall kind of like, and I've been a teacher before I used to be a, a high school teacher. So I have that experience of being on the flip side too, you know, watching over everyone, making sure they're not looking at each other's tests or whatever. But, um, I did ask one thing and she said, no, I wasn't, I wasn't really clear on the seating policy. Okay. And I have a standing desk. And usually when I PT, right. I'm standing up the entire time. And I didn't really realize until like the day before or the morning of, I was like, wait, I, I feel like I saw somewhere that's not a lot, you know, and it does say you have to be seated. And so I did ask, I said, you know, I usually stand, can I stand? No, you have to be seated. You have to remain seated the whole time. So that was something that I had to like adapt to. I'd never taken a whole PT sitting down, you know, for the last few months. Mm. And it was something where like <clears throat> worried about the like little screen on my standing desk, you know, and I had to unplug it for her. And I was like worried, like, oh, is my test going to get flagged? So it's not like everything just went right. You know, like there were things that were like kind of stressful or like, anxiety inducing mm -hmm. but i felt like like this is my test you know yeah. i was like i was like i've paid to take this test i've studied for months for this test like i know what i need the proctor doesn't and i can ask for it and you yeah. know like, i couldn't stand that's okay i accept it you know i'm sitting but i'm gonna ask for a few breaths and i asked her to be really explicit about each button and what it would do you know is my time gonna start now Will you tell me when my time's going to start? Will this start the time, you know? Because she was not communicating. I needed to ask and, you know, and then she would answer. But that was, I wouldn't have been comfortable doing that the first time I took the test, right? I had to build up to that and learn from experience. <laughs> it pays off. That's, 
that's so thank you for sharing all this that's really important right like um like even that right if the proctor's not communicating and it's not clear to you well then you, maybe then, then you don't know when it's supposed to end or you don't you know what you're supposed to doing at this point and then that that time and mental energy gets taken away from important problems that you're trying to solve so i'm so happy you did that i'm really glad you're sharing this um and you know, i'm glad you said that too right no, the the proctor didn't say yes to everything and you had to adapt right but two things one better for you to have asked and have it resolved than sit there and be uncomfortable wondering should i have asked if i could have stood at least now you knew right so it's yeah. not in the back of your mind and then two right like we also want to know that there are going to be things that aren't going to go right they're going to you know maybe 99 percent of things go right but one percent doesn't happen right but if i say if or whatever right like if there's going to be a few little snags then i'm mentally prepared okay there's going to be a few little snags right but you knew going in that okay then everything's going to be perfect that's okay and then you're able to roll with it and adapt and obviously you did with that score but um yeah those are great points i'm really glad you said that about the proctor um and the, the whole digital format and, and you know one other thing you know the broader idea of habits like you were used to a proctor this time you were used to um the digital format another reason that's super important is so one right just we want to automate things, we want to habituate things. But another reason that habits can be helpful in getting acclimated to this stuff is that they are cues that get us to our other habits, right? So if I'm used to digital and it's like, okay, cool, this is what it's like. I'm sitting at the same desk. I'm in the same room. Okay, I'm not standing like I normally am, but this is just like another practice test. So then, right, that, that cues me, that kind of anchors me into the behavior I need to perform the way I have or to perform optimally as opposed to trying to reinvent the wheel, right? And so sometimes just the familiarity of I'm at the same desk, I'm in the same place, this is digital, I'm used to dealing with a proctor, I've done this before. And I remember too, when I had taken it more than once myself, first time you take it, it's like, even though you've mentally prepared for it, it's just a bunch of stuff you're not used to. But when you've taken it before, then you're like, oh, I know that. I know that. And it's not an arrogant way. It's just like, a, okay, one less thing to worry about. So now I can focus on the substance, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes, makes a total sense. Thank you for listening. One tip to use your time with this podcast effectively. Take a look at the list of previous episodes. They're named by topic, so you can prioritize your listening based on specific areas where you need help the most. Again, I'm your host, Jimmy D of JDLSAT.com. Please do subscribe to the LSAT Habits Podcast and share these episodes with friends. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, feel free to reach out to me and check out my website. Again, it's JDLSAT.com. That's JDLSAT.com.